and all of his friends didn't know how to dance and for some reason decided that an acceptable substitute for dancing was to just stomp as hard as possible and like pump your fist which surprise surprise made my record skip but then they thought it was a fun game and just kept trying to do it as much as they could oh i would have joined them i like that (laughs) yeah that's the exact kind of uh, chaotic evil that i would expect from jeremy russell yes Welcome to I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. I'm your host, Sean Hartman, founding member of an exciting new cover band performing timeless Beach Boys hits in the style of Kraftwerk. We're called Little Deutsch Coop. <laughs> oh, I was wondering where that was going. That's where it went. That now was you a know. ride. Yeah. A short but interesting ride. I'll take you there. I didn't know what you got. Well, that means I'm co-host Jeremy Ruggles, president of the American chapter of the Vladimir Vysotsky fan club. And I would be your co-host, Peter Cook. And I am... (laughs) Are you just going to leave it at that? (laughs) Bold, sir. I like it. (laughs) I just don't know how to reveal this about myself. I am a secret admirer of Fern-themed album covers. Oh. You got any examples? Did you write down examples? Because I'm calling you on this. I know of one. (laughs) I know of one Fern-themed album cover. Why it's such a secret. What could that possibly be? (laughs) Oh, what's that? It's uh, from 1978. Okay, go on. It's out of Brazil. Interesting. It was released on Phonogram and Philips Records. Okay. Jointly. Yeah. Chico Barque. Oh. Self-titled. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good one. Interesting selection. If you were a true fan. What would you say the fern is behind him? The fern behind him is glorious. <laughs> oh, you failed. <laughs> it's the interesting thing that I learned on this voyage is that that fern is called Samambaia, which is also what this album gets referred to as in the same way people refer to the Velvet Underground and Nico as the Banana album. Mm-hmm. Where it's not actually called that, but that's what people call this album. Samambaia, because of the Samambaia fern behind Chico. Yes, that is how you say fern in Portuguese. Wait, are you messing with me? No, I typed it into Portuguese to English, and that's what it translated it to. Oh, I thought it was a specific type of fern. But shows how quality my research is. Cool guys. Yeah. How the mighty have fallen so early into this episode. Jeez. Wow. 
<laughs> well, I went kind of a, I went kind of an obscure, but apparently not that obscure since the album is called that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's our album for this week. I'm gonna play a song from it. I would love that. That seems like a good way to start this podcast. I'll also start it by apologizing for my ignorance and all my mispronunciations that are to follow. This song is probably called Pedaco de Meme, which translates to piece of me. Did I say his name correctly? Chico Barque? That's the way. Beautiful. pedaço de mim, uma metade afastada de mim, leva o teu olhar, que a saudade é o pior tormento, é pior do que o esquecimento, é pior do que se entrevar. Ó oh, pedaço de mim, ó oh, metade exilada de mim, leva os teus sinais que a saudade dói como um barco que aos poucos descreve um arco e evita tracar no Ó oh, pedaço de mim, ó oh, metade arrancada de mim, leva o vulto teu, que a saudade é o revés de um parto, a saudade é arrumar o quarto. O filho que já morreu Ó oh, pedaço de mim Ó oh, metade amputada de mim Leva o que há de ti Que a saudade dói Latejar é assim como well, something I immediately noticed is that Chico Barque is not alone on the vocals on that song. And it appears that in that particular case, he's accompanied by Zizi Posse. That is correct. Early on in her career. Uh, she, she would have been very young at this time. Yeah, I think this was... Uh, uh, don't quote me on it, but I think this was like one of the first recordings she's on. Yeah, that sounds right. 1978. That's when her first album came out. Yeah, and she went on to have a pretty successful career in her own right after that. Mm-hmm. But he had a bunch of amazing singer-songwriter types and musicians. There was, this blew me away looking at the personnel list. There's 
60 different musicians on this album. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's overwhelming. I was looking at the list myself while we were listening to that first track. Yeah, it looks like he used a completely different band for almost every song. And So are you going to go over the full list of, of members now? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not. <laughs> you can look it up. Oh, okay. There's a, a few of the more notable ones. Well, I don't want to say notable because I'm frankly don't know enough about uh, Bossa Nova or Brazilian music history to really say who are the notable ones. But these are the ones who seem to have Wikipedia entries. <laughs> <laughs> so Elba Romalo, who was a huge uh, Brazilian solo artist, had like multiple platinum albums. His wife is actually joins him on a song, Marietta Severo, and she's actually an actress in her own right. She's been on telenovelas for many, many years, and I guess often plays the villain in the telenovelas. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Zizi Posi, as you mentioned, also Milton Nascimento, who's also a pretty big time singer songwriter out of brazil yeah he's a straight up legend yeah and i'm sure that probably at least 10 more names on that list are legends but i don't know them because this is to be honest a maybe my first foray into brazilian music and it's a beautiful one that's cool yeah it's a good place to start i mean there's there's so much good music i've really love Brazilian music for uh, years at this point, but it's still kind of one of those things that I'm not necessarily well versed in. I, anytime I come across Brazilian records when I'm digging, I'll listen to them and buy them if they're good, but I haven't really taken that time to like fully dive into the whole history and learn some of the, the less popular players. So I'm interested to see what research you've dug up on this wonderful record. You know who's incredibly knowledgeable about these? Who? Former guest host Greg Kaz. Oh, yeah. True. (laughs) I was looking up. I was trying to find, I like finding personal stories from the artist to like sprinkle in. And when I was searching around on the internet, I stumbled on an interview with Greg Kaz where he mentions Chico Barque. (laughs) And I was like, man, I messed up. We should have reached out to Greg and have <laughs> yeah, him on the episode. So. I, I was uh, saying the same thing to Sean last night when I was uh, checking this out. So our apologies, Greg, uh, oversight on our part. Yeah. <laughs> we fucked up and we're going to probably miss all of the important details that you would have been able to share. So sorry. <laughs> I don't I don't know if we're going to talk about other players, but one that jumped out to me is Arthur Verokai. He's on here. Yeah? Who's that? Someone that Sean introduced me to. He's got a fantastic self-titled album from 1972. I mean, honestly, that album that Peter is talking about could be on like a top 10 greatest albums of all time list. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. He's on one track on here. Wow. He's playing acoustic guitar on one song. Yeah, so I got this record maybe about a year ago from Sean when I was like, Sean, I'm in a rut. I feel like I'm picking the same kinds of musics over and over. 
send me some stuff you think I might be into. And this was the one that most jumped out in the ones he sent to me. And that was before I even had any idea what he was saying. I just liked the sound of the music. And it wasn't until about a week ago when I started researching this that I realized this guy is so far up my alley. And there's so much interesting history to Brazilian music, in particular in this time period, for reasons I'll get into. But wow, good pick, Sean. (laughs) No problem. It's almost like uh, picking out good album recommendations for people has been a core part of my job for the last 15 years. (laughs) (laughs) That tracks. Peter, do you have any familiarity with the Chico or Brazilian music? You know, I've mainly, for whatever reason, I've mainly focused on a lot of the Tropicalia stuff, the psychedelic Brazilian music. This particular artist was totally not on my radar, uh, but, uh, you know, immediately there's a lot of things that are familiar from having immersed myself in uh, Brazilian psych. I really like this record. I really like I've only listened to it one and a half times in preparation for this episode, but instant, instant love for it. Yeah, and you'll find out that he's actually quite tangential to the, I don't know if he's tangential per se, he's associated with a lot of the people involved in the Tropicalia scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Let me start at the top, and we'll we'll get to there eventually. So Chico... He's from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. He's the son of Sergio Barque, who was a sociologist and journalist. And his mother was Maria Amelia, who was a painter and a pianist. So kind of the fingerprint of who Chico would become is pretty clear in his parents there. You have the creative piano player mixed with the sociologist and journalist put them together and you pretty much have chico's music perfect yeah that sounds like uh the thing you should be talking about another thing chico loved that i also love soccer dude plays (laughs) a lot of soccer still plays soccer apparently nice and he loved bossa nova growing up and he was in particular inspired by Tom Jobim and Joao Gilberto. And growing up, he bounced between Rio, where he was born, Sao Paulo, and then also went to Rome, Italy a handful of times. He went to architecture college because he thought that would be the pragmatic thing to do, but pretty quickly started cutting classes and playing music because clearly that's what he was, uh, you know, destined for. Uh, it was 1964 as Bossa Nova started to become popular and an artist named Nara Liao recorded three of his songs and he just went up from there to become... From my understanding, this guy is like an icon of Brazilian music. 
He's maybe how like Americans might think of Dylan or I don't know, Aretha Franklin, like somebody everybody knows and has been just producing music for decades. Super prolific. Yeah, I think I counted, I did a quick count and there were over 50 albums he's put out. Whoa. Along with nine books, five plays, and four movies. Yeah. So he was extremely prolific. But at the same time that he's ascending in the music world, there is a coup in Brazil, a military coup that was supported by the U.S. State Department and the CIA's Operation Condor. And the media moguls of Brazil and landowners were very concerned about the direction of the President Goulart, who they labeled a communist and decided they needed to get him out of there. So they had a coup, kicked him out. Had a coup. (laughs) Just had a coup real quick. Had a coup real quick, as America's known to do. Yeah, I think uh... still to this day. Yeah, I was going to say that's right around the same time we did that in Vietnam within a few years, give or take. Yeah, and yeah. I won't go on a ramp, but yeah, we just keep doing it. And this instilled a dictatorship in Brazil that was more friendly to business. And it was during this time that some people in the Tropicalia movement were criticizing Chico and Chico's music as being too conservative. Interesting. Yeah, I saw that, and I don't speak Portuguese, so I can't really say <laughs> why that would be. I'm, I can't. I don't know what the. I don't know what he's saying. I mean, I from what I could gather, part of what they're saying is if you listen to the music, it's more traditional sounding. Okay. Unlike the I was Tropicalia. One, I was wondering if they meant more stylistically than topically. Yeah, I think it was partially topically as well, because from my understanding, a lot of Chico's earlier music was not as socially oriented as it would come to be, uh, especially by the time this album comes out. Mm-hmm. Let me throw a song in here before we just start talking too much uh, facts. <laughs> We're going to turn the corner and play uh, probably his most well-known song, Khaleesi. Khaleesi? Yeah. This one's great. And this is the one that features Milton Nascimento. de mim esse cálice Pai, afasta de mim esse cálice Pai, afasta de mim esse cálice de vinho tinto de sangue Pai, afasta de mim esse cálice Pai, afasta de mim esse cálice Pai, afasta de mim esse cálice 
de vinho tinto de sangue Como beber dessa bebida amarga Tragar a dor, engolir a labuta Mesmo calada a boca resta o peito Silêncio na cidade não se escuta De que me vale ser filho da santa Melhor seria ser filho da outra Outra realidade menos morta Tanta mentira, tanta força bruta Pai, pai, afasta de mim esse cálice Pai, afasta de mim esse cálice Pai, afasta de mim esse cálice De vinho tinto de sangue Como é difícil acordar calado Se na calada da noite eu me dano Quero lançar um grito desumano Que é uma maneira de ser escutado Esse silêncio todo me atordoa Atordoado eu permaneço atento Na arquibancada para qualquer momento Ver emergir o um monstro da lagoa Pai, pai, afasta de mim esse cálice Pai Afasta de mim esse cálice, pai. Afasta de mim esse cálice. I love that arrangement. It's stripped down, but the rhythmic elements going on are fascinating to me. As someone just beginning my journey into Brazilian music. Yeah. I don't know how to, I don't even know what the words are that describe the rhythmic elements on this album. I know they are inspired by samba, but I don't know how to musically describe that. Well, and eventually we didn't hear this part of the song, but eventually it becomes like prog rock towards the in the second half of the song. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is a direction like a handful of the Tropicalia artists kind of took. I mean, even Os Mutantes did more like prog sounding stuff later on in their career. But yeah, I was thinking about what you're saying about how it's such a large number of people working on this record. And it is kind of deceptively simple at times. A lot of times it just at first listen sounds like a you know acoustic guitar and vocals accompanying it. But there's so many subtle things coming in and out and weaving together. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the Duke Ellington record we just did where it's a large band, but can get really quiet when it wants to. I was particularly surprised by that track, how contemporary it sounds for being a 40 plus year old recording. It sounds like something from the late oddies or early 2010s. Definitely. Yeah. And lyrically, so the song Kalise, that translates to cup or chalice but also is a is a homophone when it sounds the same to the word for shut up so this illustrates something that chico had to struggle with from pretty much from this point we left him at at like 68 through most of the rest of his career into the 80s where he's living under a dictatorship and he's writing these protest songs, but he has to hide them. He has to kind of wrap them up in metaphor and use like wordplay 
to hide from the censors the true meaning of the song, which mm. comes back to my, my title at the beginning. It reminded me a lot of Vladimir Vysotsky, who was kind of the Russian equivalent in this scenario, who wrote music and performed under the Soviet Union and did a similar thing of making protest songs, but needing to use clever wordplay and metaphors to get it past the censors. But then the people would totally get what he's actually trying to say. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like uh, what we were talking about before uh, we started the episode, uh, Lil John lyrics, right? <laughs> <laughs> How exactly are you going to make that comparison now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the censors didn't know what skeet skeet meant. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. <laughs> Bringing it all the way back around. Yeah, to something we talked about before we started recording. Yeah. <laughs> see, I thought you were going to say like, oh, and that also, you know, makes sense with the Dylan comparison, but Little John and the East Side Boys also works, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get a little little playful there, but... You had, had to, to get low. Get low. <laughs> all right, we've taken... I'm going to rope it back the other direction completely please do <laughs> so he wrote he wrote this song with gilberto gill who was part of the tropicalia movement but i was reading through the lyric or translation of the lyrics and these songs are like brilliant but also extremely heavy and kind of depressing there's one line in there where he mentions how he wants to sniff diesel fumes. And he's actually referring to a friend of his who was taken as a political prisoner and tortured by the Brazilian military by gluing his mouth to the tailpipe of a Jeep. Oh um, my goodness. That got real yeah. heavy real quick right there. Yeah. And so... To jump back in our timeline here, we're at like 1968, and at this point, the military dictatorship had written a new constitution and had begun an extreme crackdown on dissent where they, from my understanding, specialized in torture and put an emphasis on extreme forms of torture. So that's the environment that chico is operating in at this time hmm. and it's at the same time in that year he puts out his first play called rota viva live circle and this play is intended to be a mockery of pop stardom he seemed to struggle with this throughout his career of being seen as an icon and a star when he wanted to be seen as you know, a serious artist. He was a handsome fellow and the ladies liked him and his, you know, burly voice, but he wanted to be seen as a serious artist. So kind of the message of this play, which ends with him or the star of the play literally being ripped apart limb from limb by his fans and eaten because they love the star so much. Hmm. Wow. And for whatever reason, even though it didn't seem to directly 
confront the military dictatorship, they did not like this play and considered it subversive and ended up arresting Chico. So this was in 68 when he was arrested? Yeah, this was in 68. This album's from 78, though uh, a lot of the songs were written around from like 70 through 78, from my understanding. Okay. It's interesting to get more of this context behind the songs and the the things he's, you know, creating art about. Because I always felt that with his music, especially this record, there's there's like a fragility to a lot of the vocals. At times it sounds like his voice is almost wavering, like he's struggling to control emotion at times in here. And uh, I would say that impression maybe kind of checks out based on what I'm hearing about his history now. Yeah, and when he gets out of jail from being arrested for this play, he flees to Italy because people are being killed and tortured brutally by this dictatorship, and he decides it's probably a good idea to get out of there. So he flees to Italy for just about two years, and while in Italy, he has a hard time establishing himself as a musician there, And his manager in Brazil convinces him around 1970 that things are starting to get better and that, you know, he should come back to Brazil and resume his music career there. In actuality, things weren't really getting better. The dictatorship was still in full swing, still brutalizing people. But Chico stayed and operated, and for a few years, pretty much every song he would write and try to release, they would tell him no and censor him. I saw some, it was like 5% of the songs he was writing and recording they would allow to be released. So so you're saying that he's even more prolific than he seems. We're only... (laughs) We're only seeing a small percentage of what he was actually creating. Yeah, that's likely true, actually. there's I, I think a lot of the material he did eventually get to record and release, but I'm sure there's a lot of material that just kind of got left behind in that process. I mean, he was, even into the 80s, he's putting out an album every year, sometimes multiple albums every year. Oh, yeah. He was putting out albums, I think, 24. 14 was the last one I saw. He slowed down a little bit in, after 2000 or so, but there was a good 40 years where he's putting out at least an album a year. <laughs> yeah, no one can call him a slacker at this point, <laughs> I think. <laughs> we, we He can now slow down to a record every other year. I think that's fair. He's earned it. Yeah, so true. The next song I would like to feature is a Passar de Voque, I believe. It is In Spite of You. And this is a song he was able to sneak past the censors, telling them that the song is actually about a bitter love relationship. And he was able to get it past the censors and sell 100,000 copies. The song became extremely popular before they were like, no, it's not, and realized that In Spite of You is actually a very much a protest song against the dictatorship. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, and then they smashed up all the copies 
that were in Brazil, but they didn't destroy the masters, so he was able to release it again later. Here is Apesar de Voque. Hoje você é quem manda, falou, tá falado, não tem discussão, não. A minha gente hoje anda falando de lado e olhando pro chão, viu? Você que inventou esse estado, inventou de inventar toda a escuridão. Você que inventou o pecado, esqueceu-se de inventar o perdão. Apesar de você, amanhã de ser outro dia. Eu pergunto a você onde vai se esconder da enorme euforia. Como vai proibir? Quando o galo insistir em cantar Água nova brotando e a gente se amando sem parar Quando chegar o momento, esse meu sofrimento Vou cobrar com juros, juro Todo esse amor reprimido, esse grito contido, este samba no escuro Você que inventou a tristeza, ora tem a fineza de desinventar Você vai pagar e é dobrado cada lágrima rolada nesse meu penar Pago pra ver o jardim florescer qual você não queria. And that one, I'm also hearing some sounds that struck me as more contemporary, but I'm realizing it's probably his influence because in the late 2000s, early 2010s, it became really popular in a lot of like. Uh, indie music and and then stuff that kind of went mainstream from there to have this sing-along chorus in just about every song and and that's right around the time that i feel like a lot of those kind of groups started started to cite brazilian music as an influence so it's probably chico and other artists i do remember booking bands around that like 2010 to 2015 time period that seemed to have more and more Brazilian and Tropicalia elements to their sound. Definitely. So that's probably why it, it seems so new. <laughs> yeah. Every, well, it's, it's everything is cyclical in art, right? Mm-hmm. Sick. Especially fighting dictatorships. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> A tale as old as time. So the chorus line that they're all singing together is in spite of you, tomorrow will be another day and ends with you're actually going down. <laughs> Whoa. 
Wait, and that's a protest song? Yeah. I'm not sure if it's less subtle in translation, but reading the translation, I'm shocked that they somehow didn't realize it's a protest <laughs> song. But uh, perhaps that's something... Reading the translations of all these songs, I was struck by how like poetically brilliant they are, and also a little sad for myself that I don't know Portuguese and will probably never know it well enough to appreciate the finer points of the lyricism he's using. Mm. You can always learn, Jeremy. You can always learn. <laughs> yeah, don't don't sell yourself short, bud. Get out that Duolingo and make it happen. <laughs> I wanted to get there in Russian when I was in my phase of being obsessed with Vladimir Vysotsky, but I just never got there after a little over two years of studying Russian. wasn't even close. <laughs> well, at least you tried. I was trying to learn Portuguese through Duolingo a few years ago, but it was also while I was taking Spanish, and that was not working out well. <laughs> <laughs> Getting a little confused, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, were you planning on talking about the instrument happening on that track and a few other tracks that people who are not familiar with Brazilian music might have never heard the sounds of before? The cuica? No, tell me about the cuica. It is a instrument typically only found in Brazilian music. It's a type of friction drum. It kind of looks like a little half tom, half snare drum, but it's actually played with a uh, like a string going through the head that changes the tension on the drum head and makes that high-pitched squeaking sound oh the like yeah exactly apparently it was named after a type of opossum in brazil that is known for its high-pitched cry frequently used at carnivals and in samba music so it's a very traditional instrument you'll hear those sounds throughout brazilian music especially from the you know, 50s through the 70s and 80s kind of thing. Well, thank you. I had no idea what made that sound. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, you know, based on like the tension and how fast you're using it, it changes the pitch. It has a really wide range of sounds that it can create. So it's like an interesting combination of rhythmic and like not really melodic, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting instrument. I've always loved that in music. See, I always thought that that was just an animal that was like really populace in brazil that just made its way onto recordings by accident <laughs> and happened to have an excellent sense of time <laughs> yeah it's just like getting in on it uh-huh well as good as that theory was i'm sorry to <laughs> tear it all apart in front of you right now i know you let me down with your information <laughs> illusion shattered what other instruments you got any you guys ever heard of the uh, guitar? Oh, yeah. There's some guitar here. Yeah. I think people have heard of that, though. We could probably move on. Yeah, valid. I believe this was Chico's 20th album from my count, and he would go on to make well over 20 more through the following decades. The military dictatorship in Brazil... Uh, turned over power in 1985, and from what I could gather, it sounded like in about 1974 is when things slowly began to soften away from like hardcore dictatorship 
but still, from my understanding, pretty extreme. They called, <laughs> I found this kind of messed up and interesting, the period where it was at its worst from like 68 to 74, they refer to as the economic miracle in Brazil, though most workers made considerably less money in that time. It was just a miracle for the rich people. Huh. That, that, was the, that sounds the, all too familiar. Trickle-down economics of, of Brazil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really trickle up very well under a dictatorship. <laughs> so, yeah, that's about... Uh, that covers as much as I could figure out at this point about Chico. He's still alive. He's still doing stuff. He put out a he put out a book in 2014, and his last album was actually 2017. And he's 76 and still kicking it out. Still kicking soccer balls. Still kicking soccer balls. I mm-hmm. saw a picture of Bob Marley and Chico, super sweaty after they had just played soccer together. <laughs> That rules. So that's happened. Hell yeah. Shonda, did you find some comparable music to Chico for the people? I did. So I put together a little playlist of some associated artists as well as some things that have similar sounds that were a little more popular in the States and a handful of other bargain bin Brazilian records that I've come across in the past. So... We've got some Gal Costa on there, Sergio Mendez in Brazil 66. You see those everywhere. Definitely. And they are really, really good. So definitely worth picking up. Caetano Veloso, Gia Rodriguez is on there. I also put an album that I really, really want to cover at some point, Wayne Shorter's Native Dancer, which features some collaborations from Milton Nascimento on it. Um, some other kind of... Latin jazz from Gatto Barbieri, Walter Wanderley, Brazil's number one organist. And then a track from the legendary collaboration between Stan Getz, Astrid Gilberto, and Joao Gilberto. Play the song Corvocado, Quiet Nights of Quiet Stars on there. Los Indios Tabajares for some other South American sounds and styles. And then one of my favorite bargain bin Brazilian records I've come across, Nara Leo. Oh, yeah. She was the one who recorded Chico's first few songs that kind of gave him a break. Nice. I didn't even realize that connection. It's just a record I found in a bargain bin somewhere. In fact, I might have found that at the same time as one of these Chico records. So now that makes even more sense. There's a late period Gilberto Gill track on there to show some other legends doing stuff in the late 70s into early 80s and last i put a michael franks song on there who was a american quiet storm jazz musician who also really really enjoyed brazilian music and would frequently have some brazilian session players on his records and that's just some of the playlists that you can find on spotify just go on there and search i'd buy that podcast all one word to find each of our season two accompanying playlists You are truly a saint and a playlist genius, Sean. (laughs) I've loved making playlists ever since I was a a little kid with a cassette player. 
I'm glad we could help you live out your dream. Mm-hmm. Full circle. It's worth saying, I think that uh, it's pronounced Gilberto Gil. You are correct. I'm sorry to all of our Portuguese-speaking <laughs> fans who are going to be deeply offended by all of our pronunciation <laughs> yeah, mistakes. No, I tried to look up as many names as I could before, but I knew I was just going to forget half of them anyways. Yeah. no, it's <laughs> Someday uh, I'll get better. Yeah. I'm working on a lot of it still myself. That was one of the reasons I tried to learn Portuguese, but alas, maybe I need to get back on that. Um, yeah, I always, this is a, you know, Brazilian music is uh, something I feel like I've only scratched the surface with and there's so much more to learn about. Yeah. And I mean, unless you're from a, a vinyl crate digging perspective, it's kind of hard to do anything but scratch the surface because, you know, there's so few of these records in circulation and there's enough of an interest where they get they get snapped up pretty quickly. But for some reason, this guy's music in particular, I've more commonly found in bargain bins than perhaps any other comparable Brazilian musician. And I kind of assumed that he must have been kind of a big deal in Brazil for me to find multiple copies and bargain bins of his stuff. Yeah. Another prime example of music that's just overlooked in some areas and completely off the radar of probably many of our listeners. So enjoy. There's a lot to discover with his music and all of his contemporaries. Yeah. It's really funny because, you know, a lot of people diving into music know of Os Mutantes, but they might not know that Rita Lee from Os Mutantes was a huge star later on as a solo artist and uh, you know when when greg guested with us before we recorded the episode he told us all about that phenomenon and it's it's uh fascinating yeah we'll have to have greg back to do maybe a rita lee if that's possible or something just to clarify all the things we got wrong here <laughs> <laughs> he'll come back and the whole episode will just be a for the record installment <laughs> yeah of how to properly pronounce portuguese names <laughs> And all the context I got wrong and sure yeah, good times. Speaking of which, could I do a really quick installment of For the Record before we get out of yeah, here? Yeah, why not? Do it. On our environments episode. Oh no. We t- <laughs> we talked about the uh scene in the Big Lebowski where he's listening to the sounds of the humpback whale. I stated that it was during the the scene right before he gets punched in the mouth, but it was actually he's listening to the sounds of uh, bowling in that scene. It's it's later on when he's in the tub and the nihilists break in <laughs> that he's listening to the sounds of the humpback whale. It's true. Wow, a worthy fix. Thank yes, you. <laughs> <laughs> and our ex- audience has been just sweating ever since then, just <laughs> steaming. <laughs> On our Jean-Michel Jarre episode, we talked about an artist who had started doing virtual concerts before the pandemic, and we stated that it was Les McCann. We were mistaken. It was Ramsey Lewis who did that. So I just, knew it wasn't Les, but <laughs> I didn't know who it was, so I just went with it. That's okay. You know, for so long, I could remember which things happen on which episode and that ability is just quickly disappearing at this point. We're not even at a hundred records and I can't keep anything straight anymore. Yeah. We're getting up there. We've done a lot of episodes of this podcast and those are the only two corrections that I can think of. So that ends a very short installment of for the record where we set the record straight on misinformation we stated in previous episodes. And while we're at it, 
Remember to check us out at patreon.com slash I'd buy that podcast. If you would like to get additional content, if uh, almost a hundred episodes isn't enough for you, we have bonus episodes there. You can get episodes earlier before everyone else gets them. You can also get records from us, dollar records, if you subscribe to that vinyl tier, which there are still a few slots left. So once again, patreon.com slash I'd buy that podcast. You can support the show and get bonus content in return. Closing thoughts before we end this one. My closing thought is that more people should buy records from non-U.S. artists that they've never heard of, especially when they're in the dollar bin. Take a chance. Yeah, especially if it's ABBA. (laughs) Take a chance on me. Yeah, this really reopened my eyes to how easy it is to get, you know, we're all in our own world and in our own bubbles here in America. And... This was a helpful reminder like, oh, in this other country, there's this whole other set of icons and history and, yeah, interesting political history tied to the art. I don't know. There's uh, so much more out there that it's so easy to just skim by because you're like, oh, I don't know what that is. Don't pass it by. (laughs) It's really fascinating when... uh... You just pick something up, you know, oh, what's this record I haven't heard of it? And you research it and find out that it's just loaded with backstory, not just about the artist, but like the circumstances in which they were living, the atmosphere that the album, the music was created in. Like I wouldn't have, you know, just in listening to this, I didn't know anything going into this episode about Chico. And uh, since I don't speak the language, I, to me, it just, you know, it sounded like this beautiful Brazilian record. <laughs> I had no idea all that was going on behind the music. I didn't either before actually researching it. Like I said, this one jumped out to me as extremely good, but I didn't even know the half of it. So I'm going to leave you all on the song Trumcando and miudos, which translates to explaining clearly. This one is maybe my favorite song on the album just by its sound, but I am going to acknowledge that I'm really painting this album. I pick mostly the slower songs, and there's a lot more upbeat, fun dance songs mixed in here that I'm not covering because... I'm uh, an old crouch. (laughs) (laughs) He's lost the capacity to have fun. That's not true, boys. For Jeremy, it is fun to be in this uh, slower pace. True. Thank you, Peter. Someone here supports me. All right, I won't yuck your yum. (laughs) Thanks, Sean, Dad. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah. I'm Jeremy Ruggles still. I'm Peter Cook. And I'm Sean Hartman. Bye.
vou lhe deixar a medida do bom fim Não me valeu Mas fico com o um disco do Pixinguinha assim O resto é seu Trocando em miúdos pode guardar As sobras de tudo que chamam lar as sombras de tudo que fomos nós As marcas do amor nos nossos lençóis As nossas melhores lembranças Aquela esperança de tudo se ajeitar Pode esquecer Aquela aliança você pode empenhar Ou derreter Mas devo dizer que não vou lhe dar O enorme prazer de me ver chorar Nem vou lhe cobrar pelo seu estrago Meu peito